Blue Snap joined the company a couple of years ago, focused right now on, again, growing transaction volume. They've got all kinds of product launches coming up that are allowing them to drive, again, volume past where they're already at. They're already doing north of a billion in total volume. They earn, again, pennies on the dollar on that, serving over 5,000 merchants as of a year ago. Can't release updated data because they're currently uh, doing something related to a capital raise. We'll hear updated data maybe in a couple months. But in the meantime, omni-channel launch, buy online, pick up in store, and some other exciting product releases down the line. Hello, everyone. My guest today is Ralph Dangelmeyer. He's a 25-year payments veteran, brings a wealth of knowledge leading strategy, marketing, sales, and product development as Blue Snap's CEO, thought leader, conference speaker, amongst many, many other awards we'll talk about. Ralph, are you ready to take us to the top? I am. Thanks All for right. having me. You bet. So um, give us a bit of context here on Blue Snap. So you did not found the company. How did you come to run it? So a group of investors in Boston founded, uh, found a private equity, excuse me, a group of investors in Boston found a payments company in Israel, and uh, they wanted the company to be global, and they asked me to come in and run it. I was running a public company called ACI Worldwide at the time. It's a payments company, and I joined Blue Snap about five years ago to help them globalize e-commerce for merchants. And, and so, yeah, go deeper in the product here for a second. Give me an example of how a customer uses the platform. Well, a simple example would be is everyone's really used to, and I'm sure you are, Amazon Prime, Uber, uh, things like Starbucks apps. And so what we do is we provide technology that allows any merchant to be able to offer that type of service to their shoppers. So it's as simple as checking out with Apple Pay or wallets or topping off cards. It looks just like Amazon Prime. That's what our technology allows merchants to do. So basically add a subscription layer to what they're already offering. Subscription layer, but really frictionless checkout is the way we like to say globally. So it's frictionless checkout globally and mobily. So you could do donations, you could do tuitions, you could buy uh, toys, gifts, cards, anything the merchant wants to sell online, our platform allows us to do that. Okay, so is it more like Amazon One Click or Amazon Prime? You know, Prime is like a subscription service, obviously. You know, One Click is seamless checkout. Yeah, so it's actually sort of both. So it's a seamless checkout and it allows you to do the subscription service. So it's I both see. in one. I see, very good. And what's the revenue model? Is it a percentage of, of transaction volume or what? Yeah, so all payments companies, we, we operate as a fintech payment company. All payment companies really do the same model, which is they take a small percentage of the revenue. Most of the revenue, we talked about this a little last time in your show, really is going to the issuing banks and to the card schemes like Visa, MasterCard, and we get a little piece of the revenue. Yep, that's right. Um, and you mentioned, and actually, hold on. So if someone puts 100 bucks to the platform, right, through one of your customers, I mean, are you talking like you're going to take like 2 to 5% or less than that? No, so the so if there's a hundred dollars that goes through the system, in a simple example, uh, the the merchant might pay three dollars. That three dollars, you know, ninety nine percent of it is going to the issuing banks, to the banks, and to the card schemes. We get a tiny, tiny percent of that. You know, pennies on the transaction. Okay, less than less than one percent of the three dollars. Oh, much less than one percent. Like one percent of the one percent. <laughs> yeah, yeah, interesting. Um, so obviously, the only way to scale this is with obviously huge volume. That's right. You need a lot of volume, a lot of good customers, and you need it to be global. Yep. Um, I want to back up for a second. A guy like you running a public traded company, how does a private equity firm incentivize a guy like you to come in and run this? Well, two ways. Um, one, the opportunity to develop something unique into a market that was just just starting. I mean, five or six years ago, this concept of one-click checkout, Starbucks apps, Amazon Prime, Uber, hadn't really developed um, into the forefront of all of the different merchants. So merchants now are straving their technology. So getting ahead of that and the thought leadership was a lot of fun. Um, and being able to build it with your own team is just a great 
uh, entrepreneurial opportunity. So that was the first thing. And then the second piece of it is obviously you get rewarded with equity in the company. And so those are so the two main drivers, uh, maybe three, I guess, work with a great team, be able to really drive and build something that's kind of unique in the market. And you get rewarded by owning a piece of the company like they do. Are, do they also require you invest directly in the fund as an LP? They don't require that. Okay. They don't require that, that kind of alignment. Okay. Interesting. Um, going back and looking at growth. So back in November, 2017 is when you were last on, you'd articulated at that time, uh, that you'd passed about a billion dollars in total volume. Obviously your revenue earned on that caught, you know, 1% to 2.9%. I think is what you told me. And you had about 5,000 merchants using you at that point. What are those updated numbers? So really, because we've just done some recent financing, I can't really update the numbers. Um, so I'd have to catch you that on another time. But we're in significant triple digit growth rate right now, which is awesome. OK, sorry. What uh, most people would keep numbers close to the rest if they're still in the process of funding. Are you in the process of funding or you've actually closed? Um, we're we're sort of uh, <laughs> I'd, I'd rather not cover it right now, but we, we've actually uh, done some recent funding and um, it's not allowed to be discussed. OK, um, so. So how, so I understand if you can't talk about those specific numbers, uh, I, I believe you'd said last time you were on that 70 million bucks had gone into the company from, you know, invested, right? This you're now adding, you're now adding to that is the round is the, is the size of the round public. So how much in the company now to date? Yeah, it's not public. So oh, I it see. was, uh, yeah, that's why I can't talk about it. Sorry. That's fine. But I mean, most of these things have to get filed with the SEC. They're going to come out eventually, correct? Um, no, because we're private, so we don't have to file anything. Well, there's a ton of private companies that raise venture capital, raise debt, all kinds of stuff. You still have to file, you know, things with securities laws. You're this. You've done this in a way that you don't have to file any kind of paperwork. Um, we don't have to file any kind of paperwork that is required. No. What is sorry? What is required? You you understand what I'm asking, right? There's a lot of private companies that have raised billions of dollars that that have to still file. That's how a TechCrunch would find the article and yeah. release the raise. Yeah, so we don't have to. We do not have to disclose this. It's not public, and we don't have to do it. So it's just so different. If you invested in a company, you don't have to disclose that. Well, okay. I, I mean, I so why, why does there's again? We've interviewed about three thousand B two B SaaS CEOs. They've raised ten billion dollars together. Every single one of them, my research team goes out and basically scrubs a government database where all of them have they they file how much they raised, how many investors put in that round, and what the total raise was. I want, if you found a unique way to not have to do that, that's valuable information. I'd love to learn how you did that. We haven't done any of that as of date. I'm not saying we're not going to do it. I'm just saying we haven't done it yet. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. that's what I was, that's what I was asking. All right. Sorry. So, All right. So, got it. Got it. Got it. So you're, you're in the process of doing this. You haven't filed anything yet, which is why you can't talk about it. Makes, makes that's sense. Correct. Okay. Yep. Very good. Um, okay. Talk to me in terms of any product updates since last time, anything new released, any new acquisitions? Yeah, there's some awesome product things that we've done. Um, we've we've launched for us, the, the merchants that want to sell globally are really excited about offering things like Apple Pay and Google Pay, which we've done. Um, they're really excited about being able to sell into countries. We've done a lot more work in Latin America, countries in Australia. And probably one of the coolest things we've done is merchants now can come into our platform and self-service and get up and start processing payments in multiple places in the world without any human in intervention. So it's really what we call self-service setup for payments. So um, people are excited about that. I mean, literally, if you're sharp, you can be up and running in 20 minutes, which is something that uh, we don't think anyone else has done globally. So very cool new tech that we've done. Uh, you just have to appreciate my ignorance on this space. I mean, how is this different than Stripe? 
Um, well, Stripe is, is uh, it's, it's similar to what Stripe does because Stripe does that in a single country. What we've done is we've been able to globalize it through many countries through one integration. So with Stripe, you have to go do it, say, seven times against seven different countries. For us, you do it once and you're set up on the seven different countries. So it's a little bit of a different model than what Stripe is doing. And why? what allows you to create that mode and Stripe can't just do it quickly? Well, maybe Stripe can do it. I don't know. I just haven't. We, we get a lot of Stripe customers that come to us every single day converting from Stripe and saying that they weren't able to do it with Stripe. So I'm not exactly sure why or why Stripe doesn't well, do it. You've but, done it, though, so you know that it, why it's difficult. I mean, you know why it might be difficult for Stripe not to do it. Why can't Stripe do this? I don't know. Okay. What, what made it difficult for you to do? Because we had to connect to 30 different uh, banks around the world. We had to then connect to multiple different tools to do what they call know your customer checks. And we had to do what they call AML checks, which is um, making sure that the bank account information is verified by the government. So you're not make, breaking any federal or government rules in these different countries. So in order to do that, you have to can, there's a ton of automation. You have to connect to multiple tools and multiple banks around the world. And it takes a long time and a lot of uh a lot of development. How effective do you think this new launch will be as you guys move towards and go after, call it, you know, $10 billion in volume through the platform? Well, I think what will happen is a lot of these smaller businesses, let's say, that don't have the bandwidth to um, really code to all kinds of different people will love the fact that they can go to one place and get set up all around the world. So it's going to save IT time, lots of IT time, because Technical debt is a huge issue for businesses, so really reduce the cost of them to code to get payments processed around the world. So, who else do you who else do you see playing in the space besides you and Stripe to some certain extent? Well, there's a lot of the uh, legacy processors are still in the space doing this thing. Like WorldPay is one a brand that people know. First Aid is a, an, another company people know. Um, some people know a company called Global Payments. So there are, there's a company called Adyen uh, that's relatively new in the space. PayPal is still in the space. So there's a lot of uh, players that are still in the space. It's a, it's a crowded space. So I think it's all around product. It's all around um, speed to market. And it's all around service. Are there any additional product lines that you'll be launching that, that where the revenue model is not just pump more volume through the system and take pennies on the dollar? Um, yeah. So one of the other big product launches we're going to do next year is around what we call omni-channel, which is the ability for a merchant to be able to process uh, through one channel, the ability for have an online website and an in-store payment. So you can be recognized as you can basically buy online, pick up in the store. You can be in the store and they will recognize you as an online shopper. So you may not have to check out in the store. Kind of cool stuff that's coming out. So um, you don't have this fragmented online, offline experience, right? So when you're going into, you know, you're going into a store, they, they're able to connect you as an online shopper and an in-store shopper with the same, we call it token in our business, but really through the same card. And so, Ralph, my question was, is there any additional launches you're doing where the revenue stream is not you taking pennies on the dollar on volume? So this omni-channel launch, is it a, oh, is it a SaaS sorry. product or a recurring revenue? I mean, or is it just still pennies, you know, take a take a percent cut? It's, all, it's always going to be the same model. It's always a SaaS cloud model. We're taking a percentage of the cut. Okay. Just to be clear, though, it's not, I mean, this isn't really SaaS. I mean, you are a transaction business. We are, but what happens is it is SaaS, though, because what's happening is when a merchant's coming through, we are actually storing... Um, the credit card information and the shopper information on our warehouse in our database and the shoppers and the, mer the merchant doesn't have to do that. So from their point of view, it's a SaaS operation in the cloud. Okay. When you look at SaaS revenue streams though, right? SaaS revenue streams are typically recurring revenue streams at stack. They don't pay for that. Correct. 
there's not a flat fee based off number of contacts in the platform. Well, it depends. If I guess it depends how we define SaaS. If you're calling Stripe SaaS, that's what we are. If you're if you're not calling them Stripe, then I guess that's not. No, no, I didn't. Right. I didn't call Stripe SaaS. Okay. No, no. I mean, when I when I think of SaaS, and and when we interview the you know thousands of SaaS founders, SaaS is you know recurring revenue that is a you know some ARPU, some ACV, and usually there's some pricing axes around number of seats, a product line, and some data or usage metric. A lot of fintech companies will do something that is more tied to transaction volume, and sometimes underlying they'll have a third of their revenue or something tied to a data play that is maybe more looks like SaaS recurring revenue. Yeah. So we're obviously tied to transactions. That's how we get paid. Yeah, but it's but it's predictable. I mean, it sounds like it's pretty predictable, right? Barring some seasonality. Absolutely predictable. Yes, I mean it's totally predictable. I mean, you you know, generally month to month, a quarter to quarter, year to year, what a merchant is going to perform as it relates to sales. Mm-hmm. And you would never. It sounds like you're storing a lot of stuff on your servers anyway. We're already doing a lot of the hard work related to kind of contact management and buyer management. You would never launch any kind of data op- optimization or enrichment product for these merchants with all that underlying data. Well, no, I wouldn't say we're never doing it. I'm saying we're just not doing it in the meantime. What we're really trying to do is make them, our goal is really simple. We're trying to simplify payments for that merchant because these merchants are very worried about someone like Amazon. Amazon's got hundreds of people that are focusing on one-click checkouts globally, and that's the checkout part. So we're really focusing on making that life easier. Uh, no, as we grow, are we going to have analytics and tools and marketing capabilities to be able to help merchants cross you know, you know, with that data? Absolutely, but that's just not in the cards in the next you know, 12 to 18 months. Yeah, very good. And your head's down right now, it sounds like on a round. So we'll leave it, leave that at that. Ralph, let's wrap up with the famous five. Number one, what's your favorite business book? Oh, um, <laughs> I probably like Blink right now. Number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying? Well, it's hard not to follow uh, the CEO of Amazon, right? Yeah. He's great. Number uh, three, what's your favorite online tool for building your business? Well, I think for us, uh, we, we, we just think the wallets are awesome. We love Google Pay and Apple Pay. And we think that's a driver for all these businesses to make checkout easy. Number four, how many hours of sleep do you get every night? I got a new app that shows me that. Five hours and 35 minutes. Five and a half. Very good. And what's your situation? Married, single kids? Married with three kids. And how old are you? I'm just over 50. 51. All right. And uh, last question here. What do you wish your 20-year-old self knew? How much fun I'm going to have when I'm 50. <laughs> Lots of fun ahead, guys. There you have it. Blue Snap joined the company a couple of years ago, focused right now on, again, growing transaction volume. They've got all kinds of product launches coming up that are allowing them to drive, again, volume past where they're already at. They're already doing north of a billion in total volume. They earn, again, pennies on the dollar on that, serving over 5,000 merchants as of a year ago. Can't release updated data because they're currently uh, doing something related to a capital raise. We'll hear updated data maybe in a couple months. But in the meantime, omni-channel launch, buy online, pick up in store, and some other exciting products releases down the line. Ralph, thanks so much for taking us to the top. Thanks a lot for having me, Nathan. Cheers.